clap, come on. That's better, that's better. You know, I um, hadn't intended to say this, but just want to remind you that um, clapping isn't about keeping time. Uh, biblical clapping is actually an expression of praise to the Lord. And so much so that the scripture says that even the trees, as they sway, they clap their hands. And so our God is so great that he's worthy of applause. And thank you so much for leading us in worship. What a great privilege. It's been a long time since I've seen you, brother. So uh, it's so good to see you again. And thank you for the grace of um, just leading us today. It was awesome. It was awesome. We've come to serve an awesome God and, and come to study his word. Um, many of you, in fact, most of you have been doing uh, the 40 days through the word. And if you have not started, uh, today's a good day to do that. Whenever we spend time in God's word on a daily basis, uh, we are incredibly blessed. The principles that we're learning in 40 days are ones that we can take on for the rest of our lives until we get to see the word in person face to face, which is something I'm really looking forward to doing. It's getting to see my savior, my Lord and get to hear his voice um, directly and not uh, through the word that's been passed down from generation to generation. If you've been meeting in your small groups, I hope that you've been as, as encouraged as I have. It has been an incredible privilege to listen and hear what God's speaking through other people. Uh, I learn every week, and oftentimes people come and they think that I'm there to teach, even though I'm not the teacher of our small group, and I'm there to learn. And God never disappoints. And something that somebody says, there was one person in our group, there were several things that were said that I, I actually wrote down notes, but there was one, um, it was so obvious in God's word, and I've, I've memorized the verse, so I know it by heart, and just, they saw something that I'd never seen before, and so I, I jotted it down. So it was such a blessing to hear from God through somebody else. And when we're in those relationships with each other, studying God's word together, we'll learn from God through each other. And that's a great, great privilege I don't want you to miss out on. We have been studying the picture at Method this past week in 40 Days Through the Word. And so I want to share with you a story of, well, I have many stories to share, but I want to share with you one that's not as embarrassing as many of the stories that I have to share. But uh, at the time, I was really, really embarrassed. I, I went to a very small middle school. There was like 20-some-odd people in my class in middle school. So in eighth grade, there was like 27, 29, something like that in my class. So I shifted to another school and there was 420 in my class. So I went from 29 in the all of eighth grade to 420 all freshman students in high school. Different school, didn't know um, most of the students there. And the ones that I did knew, know, we didn't have class together because there was 400 students and the statistical probability of me having class with any of the ones that I'd been in elementary school with was very, very low. And in my case, so low, I did not have one class with anybody that I'd been to elementary school with. So uh, 400 students, brand new school. And coming from a small school, one of the things, privileges of small schools is you get to be indulged. Your personality, you know, your teacher, knows that's just Robert, you know, it's no big deal. And so there were things, habits that I had that I didn't know were bad. For instance, uh, freshman English, first day of class. I show up two minutes before classes started and everybody was anxious to be in English class that day. I have no idea. Uh, there was 40 students in that class and 42 seats. Seat number 41 and seat number 42 are in the back of this long hall. I, I, 
it feels like the classroom is probably as long as the sanctuary. So I, I, the door is in the front, so I'm walking in front of all those people that got there before I did. And there's two seats in the back. Well, I wanted to sit as close to the front as I could. But do you remember high school? I don't know who designs those desks, but they're designed to be incredibly uncomfortable. And there's some that are more uncomfortable than others. And I, I, I was experienced enough to know that desk number 41 was more uncomfortable than desk number 42. And so without thinking a thing about it, I moved desk number 41 out, moved desk 42 in, and put desk 41 behind desk 42. From the very front of the room, which is back there where you're at, Sean, um, the teacher says, uh, are you quite finished, sir? I'm like looking around and I was like, you said, yeah, you. Have you done moving my furniture around? And I was like, yes, sir. And I just kind of slunk down and you know, it's because there's 40 other students looking at me, you know, slinking down. I can remember being so embarrassed and so humiliated and so just, you know, amazed by my own thoughtlessness that it would be okay to move a desk that I knew was going to be uncomfortable rather than just sitting one desk behind in the very back of the room, which I'd never done in all of my school life. Now, for many of you, as I've told that story, you've pictured yourself in that circumstance. Some of you lost right away and you started thinking about your high school sweetheart or you know, anything else. But when we share the things that we experience, it creates a, a connection that is very difficult to do in any other way. And that's why so much of the scripture is shared in stories. There are things that we can relate to. There's wives that are fighting with their husbands. There's husbands that are unfaithful to their wives. There's brothers who are arguing with each other, even get murderous with one another. There are those that say one thing and do another. There are those that are supposed to do one thing and do another. There's all sorts of stories in the scripture and they're there to provide a platform upon which we can relate. Even if we don't understand what it's like to live in a tent and to have people just show up and they have to prepare a meal, even though if we don't understand what it's like to move from place to place to place and not have a set home as what Jesus and his disciples did as he was ministering, there's a lot of things that culturally we don't necessarily connect to, but we connect very deeply to the dad that looks on the horizon every day for his beloved lost son to return home. There's things that we connect to, like that very same dad seeing on that one day that very familiar shape, that very specific walk of that boy that has been gone and him gathering up his robes and running to go say, you're finally home. Those are the things that we relate to. And those are the things that the scripture is allowing us to connect as we live our own lives and if we'll allow as we go through the space pets this next week which is weird just let's get out get over it. it's just weird uh, but as we look to really applying God's word these are things that we can be really privileged by so let's commit our time to our Lord and and then we're going to open up the word and if you've been in there we're going to study today's passage uh, from the daily devotion so father I thank you so much for the blessing of being here thank you for the wonderful worship that we've been able to present to you and, and how skillfully it was led. Lord, I thank you for the words uh, of confession. And Father, I pray that as we endure the difficulties of our lives, and there are many sometimes, and they're different, but they are many, 
that, Father, that we allow ourselves to really experience the fullness of just the blessing of seeing you work into our lives, that hallelujah. Father, that, you, that we allow the, the breath in our lungs to be recognized as a gift from you and not just something that's there and that we use it to utter your praise. I pray this in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you take them and open up to Mark, the seventh chapter. be a little hotter now because I actually put this on rather than having it down here so you might want to turn me down (laughs) thank you I'm going to teach this a little differently than I normally teach because I really want us to to immerse ourselves as much in this story as we possibly can and so I'm going to read this passage. Uh, there, there is no outline, uh, so to speak, but there are some things that I'm going to draw your attention to and hopefully uh, really spur your imagination. So uh, I want to give you permission. If the Holy Spirit kind of stirs you and you lose me along the way because he's taking you on a journey, that's okay. In fact, somebody asked me last week uh, about this very principle. It's like, you know, I'm hearing your words, but I'm not there. It's like I'm someplace else. You know, what, it, what is going on? I believe that when we come with hearts that are open and are soft to the Lord, that he speaks to us. And as somebody who has um, had, you know, it used to be like typical that the pastor, and I'm not opposed to it, it's just the way we're, we're arranged here. It's not, you know, you'd stand at the back door and, you know, people come and say, oh, good sermon, sir, you know, that kind of stuff, even though they fell asleep the whole time. And you knew it because you watched him do it. Um, but... You know, there was, there was those times where, where people would say, man, the Lord really spoke through you today. And then I said, oh, really? What did he say? And, and then they would, they would talk and tell me what the Lord spoke to them about. Here's a really cool thing. I didn't say none of it, not a word of it. And I, I, rem- I remember the first time that happened to me, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I prayed about that after. I said, Lord, what happened? You know, I know that what they said, you said to them was true because they were speaking truth. But I didn't say any of that. I didn't say any of that. And so the Lord introduced me to that, to that concept of his work in the environment of worship. Because the really cool thing about God is he sees you not as a congregation. He sees you as individuals. He doesn't see your need as a corporate need, although we have corporate needs. He sees your need as an individual need. And when we come with hearts that are soft and prepared to hear from him, he'll speak to us. And the words that I say may be coming out and you may be hearing them, but the Holy Spirit will change them into meeting the things that we need to hear. And I really want to just beg of you, every day, every day, pray that prayer that God would make your heart that way. And when you come into corporate worship, really pray that God's heart, work in your spirit will be to soften that heart so that you hear not from me but from him and so that when we gather together that we can walk away knowing that we've been in the presence of God and really heard from him and then share what you've heard and 
if you share it with me and it's nothing I have spoke about, then I will be rejoicing because I know that you've met the Lord in this place. And so without further ado, let, let me share this, this passage with you. Verse 31, Mark chapter 7. Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Ten Towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Jesus led him away from the crowd so that they could be alone. He put his fingers into the man's ears. Then spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephrata, which means be open. Instantly, the man could hear perfectly, and his tongue was freed so that he could speak plainly. Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone, but the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. They were completely amazed and said it again and again, how much of what he does is wonderful? Everything he does is wonderful. And just as a side, and this is like just total preaching, everything Jesus does is wonderful to this very day. Just want to throw that out there. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. So some of you, you have great imaginations. You're immediately in that story. Others, it's like this really sounds really weird and um, some of you immediately did what I did. In junior high, there was this thing that people would do with your ears. Robert's got it. It's called a wet willy. I hated wet willies. Some of you have been a recipient. I could tell the smiles on your face. You've been the recipient of a wet willy. You'd be sitting in class, minding your own business. Somebody would walk by and stink their slobbery finger right in your ear. And there was just, you could never get that spit out of your ear. And so when I'm reading this passage, it's like, there's spit, there's fingers in the ear. I'm having bad flashbacks, Lord. This is not for me. This story's not a good thing for me. But do, do you see how just quickly we can connect with these stories? Let me give you some context for this story. In chapter 7 of, of Mark, there's, some, there's things that are building. And, and I think that it's wonderful to look at the story, and sometimes it's even better to kind of expand that story out a little bit. Say, you, why is the story here? What is, what is going on? And we see earlier in chapter 7 some confrontation between Jesus and religious leaders. And in some lack of understanding of his disciples. They're, they're not getting what Jesus is teaching the religious leaders. They're confused. And so here we have this, this, this group of people that are with Jesus who are being taught directly by God in the flesh, and they're not getting it. And he's, he's speaking both in parables, but he's also speaking plainly, especially to them, because it was important that they got it and that they remembered it, and they are just really, really struggling. And what the, what the difficulty was about was about their, their hygiene practices. You know, they weren't following the proper rules. You know, in, in elementary school, they made us sing this little song about going to the bathroom and washing our hands and, you know, all the different times that you need to wash your hands because it was, you know, this corporate 
reminder that we need to wash our hands. And so maybe they sing those songs in elementary school right now. I don't know. But we sang the wash your hands before you go to the bathroom. Wash your hands. You know, when you come back from school, you know, we sang the song of washing our hands. And so the Pharisees had their own little song of washing your hands before you did this and this and this and the way to do it. And, there's, and they're upset because Jesus' disciples aren't doing it right. And they're upset because the food is, is not properly worked through and, and, you know, to, for the hygiene thing. And, and, and so there's this conversation about where gunk comes from. Does it come from the food that we eat, or does it come from the intents of our heart? And so what's really defiling, that we eat something that's maybe dirty and maybe even makes it sick? Jesus says it passes through. It's eliminated. It's actually in the Bible. Where's the stuff that really defiles us, the thoughts that we think, and the stuff that comes out of our mouth? Okay. So we all know and have had experience of saying things that we shouldn't have said and making a situation, a yucky situation, because of something that came out of us. Or, well, let me put it this way, and we've all had the experience of being present when somebody else said something was awful and defiled a room by what they said or how they said it. And so this is really the context in which this story that we, what I read, is in. And so it changes, I think, and, and puts a different weight on it. So Jesus comes to this place where um, people of his race weren't really acceptable. And people of their race weren't really acceptable. So if you can think of some place that you would really be uncomfortable um, maybe it's a place that where people are darker skin tone than you are, or maybe it's a place where people are much poorer than you are, or maybe it's a place where people are much more educated than you are. Whatever it is, think of some uncomfortable spot that if you were in a crowd, you'd be thinking, Ooh, I'm really uncomfortable here. Well, this was the, the place, the ge- geography of where Jesus was at. It, it wasn't a place that he wasn't amongst his peeps. He was amongst an uncomfortable group of people, and it was a both ways thing. They weren't comfortable with him and his race, and the, his people weren't comfortable with them. There was this, there was this ongoing conflict. But in the midst of this, this, what should have been really awkward is this need, this incredible need. This individual who's unable to hear properly, and because he's unable to hear properly, he can't speak properly, gets brought to Jesus. And, and did you notice in the passage in verse 32, the people begged Jesus to lay hands on the man to heal him. So most of the time we, in, the, in the gospels, not all the time, but most of the time where the person who's in need comes and says, this is my need. I, I need this need. But we don't know who this person was. This is an anonymous person, but it's a person that for whatever reason the crowd brings to. And so here's some ways that we can look at this. They've heard that Jesus is a miracle worker. And so they look around and say, okay, what would be a good miracle? And so they get some poor hapless fellows like, this guy's messed up. Let's take him. Okay. So that might be one way of saying it. We, we don't know. But can you imagine that? To, you'd be sitting there minding your own business. You know you got 
inability to hear, you got inability to speak, and then all of a sudden this group of people comes, shows up, and they're dragging you to go meet somebody. Now think about this just for a second. Can you ask the question, where am I going? Not really well. Can you hear the answer, where we're going? Absolutely not. Are you picturing this? So, I mean, this is, this is a no fun situation. So that's kind of like the negative side. Well, let's look at a positive side. Let's say people really like this guy and they're kind of been concerned that he's, he, maybe he wasn't unable to hear his whole life. Or maybe he was, we, we don't know. We just know that he can't hear now and that because he can't hear now, he can't speak clearly now. He's, he's not able to communicate well. And so out of love, the crowd gathers him up and brings him to Jesus. So he's either really loved or he's being used as a social experiment. You know, let's see if this Jesus dude can really do what he, what he does. And so here he is before the Lord. Now, I, I've got a picture of different ways that we communicate silence. We have the picture of the uh, speaker with the slash through it. There's lots of variation of that one. But that's basically, that's a mute sign, right? And then we have the, the no headphones ones um, because we don't want people to hear. And then there's, there's also a, uh, a symbol for not being able to hear. It's one that if it's posted in a group like this, you can expect that there would be some interpretation for the deaf. So it's, it's understanding that there's some who cannot hear. And so these are pictures that we have uh, that we use to communicate either be quiet or you can't hear. And so we're going to make some sort of concession for you. And so these pictures are the personification of this, this person. So he's, he's standing before Jesus. And Jesus can't say, well, dear sir, what is your name? You know, he's not like Santa Claus. You know, like, what would you like for Christmas? You follow this. He can't speak. And if he were to speak, he's not able to hear. And so he can't even present to himself what he needs to from the Lord. And the crowd is all saying, hey, you know, let's heal this guy. Let's see what you can do. Let's either out of love or out of curiosity or just making fun. We don't know. He's there and he can't communicate. Have you ever been in one of those spots? To where you're so embarrassed, you can't say a word. Have you ever been in one of those spots that you're so angry, you can't think of what to say? Have you ever been in one of those spots where you're so shocked, you don't know what to say? This happens a lot at uh, surprise birthday parties, right? The ones that are really surprising. Not the ones that are like, oh yeah, thank you, I didn't know. Kind of surprising, but like, oh, you all are there. You know, maybe I just got back from the gym and I'm a sweaty mess and, and I had no idea that 35 people were going to be there to celebrate me kind of a thing. Yeah, and you just don't know what to say. Well, here is this guy before the Lord of the universe come into flesh and he can't say anything. And if he were to say something, it may not be understood. And if there was some response, he couldn't hear it. This is what I call discomfort level 10. And there he is before the Lord, discomfort at level 10. Verse 33, did you see what Jesus did? 
he led them away from the crowd so that they could be alone. This is one of several of the graces that I see in this passage. If you've ever been in that situation where you were really super uncomfortable, it was level 10, what's the best thing that somebody could do for you and with you? Take you by the hand and get you out of that situation. Right? You ever been there? Ever had somebody just bailed you out when things went just completely sideways on you? And they, they're just like, hey, come on with me. And, and, and protected you and took you away. And this is what Jesus does to, for this man. He, he takes him and he removes him from the crowd. It causes me to think that he was more of a ex- social experiment than they, they loved the guy. But again, I don't know. That's just Bob's bracket. So I, I have really no clue. But he leads him away. And so this becomes a one-on-one thing. Or at least a one-on-one thing with people not being able to be right there pressing on. Which is the second grace that we see from the Lord in this passage. Not only did he get him out of this really super awkward situation and take him away by himself, but he spent time with this one. This one got all the attention of Jesus Christ. All the crowd is clamoring, but this one is the focus of his work. Now, much has been written and said about Jesus touching him. And much has been written and said about, you know, Jesus using spit and all the the cultural things that are around that. And and those are helpful. And it is good that when we do spend time one-on-one with each other that we touch each other, isn't it? You know, isn't it the the greatest expression of grace, you know, when it was your last-second shot to win the game and you totally boffed it? And your best friend comes around and just wraps your arm around with you, ran with you and says, hey, we'll get him next time and walks off the court with you and identifies himself with you. Isn't it a great grace when you've been really put in an awkward situation, somebody loves you, just takes you by the hand and leads you off and identifies themselves with you? Say, hey, this one belongs with me and I love them. We're holding hands, you know. These are the things that we do for each other to connect with each other, especially in those times of great difficulty. And Jesus does this. You know, so we can focus all in, you know, sticking the fingers in the air. We can focus all in with the, the spit and t- touching the tongue. And, but I, I think the deeper meaning here is a very human thing. He is with him. He's identifying himself with him. He's touching him in very significant ways he's using part of his own person don't be spit to share his grace with this man so this is the second thing he does is spending one-on-one time with this individual and so he looks up into heaven verse 33 and he sighs and he speaks the command, be opened. Again, I, I wonder about the context of this whole story. 
And so it's hard for me to even see this one picture in my own mind and not connect it to before. Because it would seem to me that in the context of this whole story, that what Jesus is not just asking for is for this one individual to be able to hear, this one individual to be able to speak. I think in the context of the story, he's asking the Lord for far more than just the miracle for this individual. He's asking for his disciples who have been there and are seeing this and obviously going to record it to recognize that that's what he does. He opens the eyes of the blind. He opens the ears of the deaf. He gives fluency to those who are unable to speak. It's very much connected to a passage in Isaiah that says this is what the Lord is going to do. And so I think that they're included. But I think also in the sigh, there's, there's no commentary on why Jesus sighed. So why do you sigh? Just think, why, why do you sigh? Sigh out of frustration. Sigh out of resignation. You know, it's one of my favorite lines in the movie version of The Lord of the Rings. It's the deep breath before the plunge. You know, having grown up on the West Coast and, you know, having been able to swim in rivers and dive under waterfalls that are fed by glaciers, uh, I know what that means because you, you know, even going in the ocean, I know y'all are like Florida people and, you know, if it gets below 80, the ocean's like super cold. We used to do blue lip checks when we went out into the ocean. We, you know, especially when I was a young man, we'd go out and we'd play and we would do just periodically say, hey, blue lip check, and then everybody look at each other's lips. Um, not because we wanted to kiss each other, we just wanted to see who was getting to be hypothermic first. And then they get kicked out and they have to go warm up and then you can come back and play. I understand what that, before you get into that really cold water, is um, sometimes it's an expression of resignation. Okay, we're going to do this. We sigh for lots of things. And we don't know why Jesus sighed. But I wonder. I wonder if he's seeing this individual and he, and he knows that he's going to work a mighty work in this individual. But he knows that his closest friends, these guys that are following him, really need the same touch. And that these people that he's just been in this great conflict with, who think that they know everything, and they're talking incessantly about it, really are in worse shape than this one who everybody knows can't hear and everybody knows you can't understand him when he speaks. Is the story getting a little bit more real? So I think he sighs. This is going to be great. I trust you, Lord, that you're going to use these disciples of mine. And because we know from the text that Jesus knows all things, he knows that those who have been arguing with him about whether or not the hand washing has been done properly aren't really concerned about that part. They're growing and facilitating a hatred that will be so incredibly strong that they will lead people to call for the Savior of the nation to be stripped naked, to be beat, and to be nailed to a tree. Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Worthy of a deep breath, what do you think? 
I think so. I, that's bigger than getting into icy water, knowing all of that stuff. There's a deep breath. And so he sighs. He says, be opened. And instantly the man could hear perfectly. And his tongue was freed so he could speak plainly. The New Living Translation actually does a good job of, of bringing into English the words that this, the gospel was written in originally. It does a, a really good job with this. Because these these. The confession is, is that he could speak before, but maybe only the, the really good listeners could interpret. So again, let me illustrate this for you. You ever been with, with little kids, especially siblings of little kids, and done this? Now, I got my graduate degree in education. I focused on early childhood development, so I've got lots and lots of experience with this, and God bless Michelle and I with, with our own kids. And I even had this in my own house. You know, two-year-old will say something to parent. Four-year-old will interpret. <laughs> okay. And some of you know exactly what that means. And so and I've had to do it the other way around. When four-year-old wasn't interpreting immediately to say, what did your brother just say? What did your sister just say? Oh, well, they said so-and-so. It's like, how do you understand this? This wasn't English. But somehow in their little minds, they're able to process that information really well. So this is what this guy had in his life. There was somebody in his life that could understand what he said and would interpret for him. Because he could speak, he just couldn't speak plainly. He couldn't speak clearly. Only the special ones could understand and interpret for everyone else. But now... Now, not only can he hear, but the words that he says, people understood because it was crystal clear now. You didn't have to get four-year-old sibling to interpret two-year-old babble. It worked just fine, just the way it is. And again, I, I see that you, you can't skip over the, the application of this. You know, here's Jesus's closest friends, his disciples, the ones that are hanging around with him and seeing him do miracles and listening to his teaching and frustrating him to no end. But they're the ones to whom the good news of God's great love for us is going to be given, and they've got to be able to hear it and to do what? Speak it how? Plainly, so people can understand. And that's been the challenge of every generation from the initial disciples, those that we call the apostles, to this very day, that we have been given this challenge through the power of the Holy Spirit, and not just pastors and preachers, but each Christian to be able to hear what God has to say and to speak it plainly so that people can understand. And how long did it take Jesus to work this miracle in this man's life? Just a few moments. Just a few moments. And so he did so. And gave this great, incredible gift to God's people. In the story that we've been able to pass from generation to generation to generation. Now, verse 36, Jesus told the crowd not to tell anyone. And there must have been some, some conversation because we, we see in the second part of that, the more he told them not to, the more they spread the news. 
So I, I don't know how this went. And I'm going to encourage you to picture this in your own mind because I don't know. I just don't know how it went. You know, when Jesus says, you know, those you just saw, the guy comes listen to me. I can actually talk. Oh, wow. I didn't know you could talk that way. Please just quiet down. You know, so he's having this response to the miracle he's just received. And he's listening and he's talking and everybody's amazed. And Jesus is like, pipe it down now. Don't you be going and spreading things around about this. And they're like, no, no, we're going to tell everybody. He's like, no, you're not going to tell everybody. You're going to tell nobody. This is what I'm telling you to do. And, and, and so there's this somehow this argument. And you picture however you want to because this, the, it just says that the argument's there. It doesn't really give us any context in this argument. All it says is the word was spread about what Jesus was doing. And so I wonder about us. We're kind of the opposite, aren't we? Jesus is doing stuff, and we're like, oh, yeah, you told him not to tell anybody back then. We won't do it now. <laughs> we're not going to say a word. And the most incredible thing could happen in our life, and we stay mute about it, particularly outside of church, but even inside church. You know, we get real awkward, and, and you know, it's like if God does something in life or or you know, we see something in his word that just blows us away, we're really timid about sharing that. It's like somehow we're under a restriction. Now that I'm working where I'm working, I'm starting to get this kind of maybe unhealthy joy in sharing about the things that God's doing in my life. Because I, I get the weirdest looks. It's like, what are you talking about? It's, this is not appropriate speech. You know, there's just all of these things that I could see on people's faces, and I don't make sermons. I'll just say little things like God really blessed me about that. Or I was in a real pickle, I think it was last weekend. No, it was a weekend before. Month end for me is really, really hard because I've got clients who think that month end is the way, it's the time to really beat the stuffing out of me. And so month end is really tough and lots of demands and most of them really crazy. And so there was a demand made to me on me on Friday I knew I couldn't meet. I mean, there were, it was one of my clients, and it said, this is what you got to do. It's like, I can't do it. And it wasn't an option not to do it. I just couldn't do it. So I prayed about it the whole weekend. There was nothing I could do because it required the business to be open to take care of it. I got the need on Friday night. Nothing I could do about it. And so I prayed about it all week long. I said, Lord, you're going to have to do something because I can't do anything, and all I can do is just rely on you to take care of this situation. So Monday came along situation taken care of and I didn't do it so I had a choice I could either just enjoy that it got taken care of or I could blow up my co-workers it was a lot more fun to do option two now I wish I could say it was out of my genuine spirituality but I'm really would be lying it was just a lot more fun to do option two and so when they say hey did you manage to take care of this said no I prayed about it all weekend God took care of it not a word in response. I mean, this is have no clue what to do with that. It was so much fun. So much fun. And that's all I said about it. That's all I said about it. And so they went away happy that this impossible situation was taken care of and confused that I would actually confess that I couldn't do anything about it, but God did. That's all we need to do, folks. That's giving that honor to Christ that we are now released to do. What Jesus said to his disciples, what I tell you in secret, you proclaim what? 
Does anybody know? On the rooftop. Some of you know that that's, that's our commission now. We're no longer under this. You got to be quiet anymore. This is our commission. So we can do things like share the reality. And that's the truth. I mean, I, I mean, I really want you to understand that there was no intention on my part to be religious or spiritual. None. I was helpless. I couldn't take care of it. I had no ability. And I was going to bear the brunt of the failure. Failure for something I couldn't do. So I had to rely on God. And only he could do it. And he did it. Now, it doesn't always work out that way. And I've had to say, well, I prayed about it, and, you know, I'm just having to bear the brunt of the failure. But in this case, he took care of it. It was amazing. It was miraculous. And I could join in this group that was completely amazed and said again and again, how much of what Jesus does is wonderful? Everything, everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to ear, gives speech to those who cannot speak, takes care of stupid customer requests or demands on Friday at 4.50 that you cannot take care of in 10 minutes and must be taken care of by Monday at 8 a.m. It's amazing. He's wonderful. He didn't have to do it, but he did it. And now I get to be part of the crowd. And tell people, hey, guess what? I prayed a prayer. God answered it. It's amazing. There was a, I have a privilege of praying with a man almost every Sunday before I get up to teach. And it's such a great privilege. And he shared with me a very specific prayer that God laid on his heart this week. And as he was sharing with me the very specific prayer that God laid on his heart, I just kind of took that deep breath. And so I waited for him to finish, and I said, okay, well, let me tell you why God chose to have you pray that prayer. And so then I shared with him. There was a very specific instance that that very specific prayer needed to be prayed, be prayed and answered. It happened this week. And God knits us together so that we can have those kind of experiences to where we do those kinds of things. I, I called up a, a business owner earlier on in the, in the week. God just placed this business owner on my heart. And I just said, hey, I don't have any agenda to call. Just want you, want you to know I'm thinking about you, praying for you. Is there anything that's specific that I can pray for you about? Dead silence on the other side of the phone. I'm thinking, okay, awkward. <laughs> But after three or four seconds, maybe five or ten, it felt like a minute, but it was not any longer than ten seconds. It's like, yeah, this is what's going on. And just shared life with me. So then I prayed over the phone with that business owner. God does these things in our life. If we relate to that man who being brought before Jesus either out of great love or, hey, let's try this dude out and see what Jesus can do, doesn't matter, is able to have that one-on-one time with him and have the ears opened and the tongue loosed. And that's my prayer for you, that God would open your ears and would loose your tongue.
that you'd hear from him and you'd speak his praise. That you'd hear from him and that you'd share his grace. That's what I want to do. Don't do it a lot. Sometimes there's things that come out of my mouth that's like, ugh, this has nothing to do with my relationship with Christ, only disobedience. So being honest with you. But I want to be that guy. And I pray that as we've looked at this story, that you've connected it at a different level than maybe you did before. Maybe even you did if you did it this morning and before you came to worship today in your daily devotion. That you placed yourself in that scene. And having done that, that you will look at other things that are confessions through stories of how you can interact and relate with different characters, different circumstances, different situations in those stories as you read them in God's Word. Over the last couple of weeks, I have um, begged, cajoled, encouraged, maybe a little bit of threatening you all to enjoy the equip process and become excited, qualified, unbelievably invested people. And many, many, many have responded. And so I wanted to share with you just a little bit of that response. Now, the response itself is given to you, is, is that up here? Yeah, by somebody who's here, is new to Highland Hills, and is gifted at doing this kind of stuff. If I had tried to do this, now I have capability of doing this kind of stuff, but it would not have looked any good. It would never, it wouldn't have been close to this. But somebody gifted somebody who said, listen, I will offer this up and... You know, so whatever you need to do, to, I'll help you with that. So I sent raw material, and this came back. This is just a conglomeration of different things that God has gifted us to do well as a people in this place. There's things really heavy like spiritual warrior, and we need spiritual warrior in his church. And there's bargain shoppers here. Do we need bargain shoppers and spiritual warriors in the same congregation? Oh, yes, we do. Absolutely. There are people that love to cook, and there are people that love to say hi to people as they come in to enjoy other people's cooking. You know, there's all sorts of things that God has designed, even a congregation of this size, to do. And so what we're going to do, I'm going to be meeting with the deacons and elders this afternoon. What we're going to do is we're very, very hard to release you to do those things. Now, there may be some of those gifts that are very easily accessed. Um, bargain shopping might be one of them. We might have some things we need to get and we can't afford them. So we'll say, hey, bargain shopper, here's four pennies and we need a dollar's worth of stuff. Okay, go get it. Okay. And they'll come back with joy and bring it. I've seen it happen. And there may be some other things that take a little bit more time, but I want you to know they've been received and we're going to work diligently to release you as God's people to do what he's designed you to do. And that my joy will be in seeing that come to pass. It is a great joy to me to present you one slide on an overhead through projection that somebody did. Not because it looks really cool, which it does look really, really cool, but because I know that somebody offered themselves up to make it happen. And that makes it meaningful. Even if you don't even remember it, it makes it meaningful that it was offered up in that way. And God's designed us to do that with each other and for each other. Not for the sake of our own advancement, but for the sake of his kingdom. And the scripture says that he's placed each one of us right where he would have us to be placed so that we together 
would be built up into that which honors him, a spiritual temple that becomes a testimony to all who care to notice and even those who would prefer not to of the greatness and magnificence of our God. Father, I thank you for the time that we've been able to spend together. Father, I pray that as we enter into that time of response, that Lord, that you would stir the hearts of your people. That God, that whatever it is that you've stirred in the imaginations as we've worked through this story, Father, that that would move from the imagination into application and that we would be different because we've met you in this place. Father, even the lyrics of the songs that have been offered up to you, that Father, that those truths would be really woven deep into our hearts and that even our breath that we breathe would be a confession of your great grace and an opportunity for us to say how magnificent you are and how everything that you do is just good, is amazing. Father, for those that have yet to take that step to be a true disciple of yours, Father, I pray right now that they would surrender themselves to you, that they would turn from being the boss of their own life and from the sin that comes because of that and receive your forgiveness, your presence, the restoration that far will exceed even what this man did in the restoration of his hearing and his speech. Life would be made completely new because you promised that's exactly what you do. Lord, make this time precious because you're moving in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as we have a time to respond?